The story of love is quicker than the wink of an eye. The story of love is hello and goodbye until we meet again. This is from the final verse of a poem found at Jimi Hendrix's deathbed. In part two, we sort through the conspiracies that followed the death of the psychedelic rocker. And we're live. Hello, everyone. <laughs> we're just going to keep going. Okay. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is the Phantom Jukebox. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joseph Shannon. And we're two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. And if you want to hear, if you want to hear me, wow, this is the start of this. And I'm Casey Kasem. We're two musicians <laughs> that dive into the world of music, mysteries, and the people that write it. And you're watching Disney Channel. <laughs> Maybe not at the moment. Uh, so we are, if you want to listen to me do much better on the openings, uh, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, uh, Good Pods, anywhere that you get, you know, your major Pandora, uh, Pandora recently, uh, your major listening platforms. Uh, and if you could give us five stars, if, uh, you know, give us five stars or your review. And uh, especially for Apple Podcasts, if you could write a review. That would really help us out. We really would appreciate your feedback. It helps us out, allows us to show, you know, allows the show to grow because uh, uh, the Apple podcast really does love that for its its nifty little algorithm. Yes. Yes. Everyone loves the algorithm. You know what else has an algorithm, Ty? <laughs> oh, do tell, Joe. <laughs> uh, Twitter at Phantom Jukebox underscore is where you can find us and also on Facebook at Phantom Jukebox. Or you can check out our Instagram to see some wonderful photos of Phantom Jukebox podcast. Also find photos of our, our cult leader, Ziggy Smalls. Yes. Uh, my beloved dog that is the cultiest leaderist. The cultiest leader. Now she's she's in the uh, her toy bucket that she's actually intimidated of. Oh. She's afraid that it's just going to clamp down and bite her head while she's reaching in to grab one of her beloved toys. I mean, same. Yeah. Understandably. Um, two podcasts I kind of want to shout out uh, not kind of I do want to shout out oh okay yes uh, is the un, uh, Uncredible Adventures is a fun show it's yes pretty new um, so he is kind of like a uh, it's kind of oh, man I describe his show it's like a it's a storytelling podcast like the the uh, uh, the host goes by the name Cornelius. That's not his real name. That's the host's name. Ah, and he tells all these different stories. And what does he say? They're not. The stories are not made up, but they're not a hundred percent true. Okay. And he says the untrue part is the he's like a good story is embellished no matter who's talking. You know who's telling it. Yeah. Um. Why not make a story more interesting? Okay. Understandably. If it's for the purpose of telling a story, you know what I mean? Like not like it maybe in a documentary, maybe get your P's and Q's right. Yeah. Uh, but in his case, it's an, it's an entertainment podcast. Uh, it's great. He opens up with, there is no politics in this show. 
Um, trying to keep as little in this show as possible too. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's just meant to have a good time. We're going to learn, especially in this part too, we're going to learn some weird stuff. Yeah. Besides about how we feel about the Beatles, there's no other po- there's politics. Nothing, in- nothing, <laughs> um, uh, nothing overtly political about the show unless it's like unavoidable, like somebody working for the FBI or something like that. Yeah. Uh, about how you shouldn't join uh, a cult that is run by terrible people. Yeah, well, that's not necessarily just the fun ones. Uh, that's not necessarily political. That's just a, a PSA. And <laughs> if you enjoy your freedoms, wealth, and just general, you know, general well-being, probably shouldn't join a cult. I mean, there's some fun ones probably out there. Do some shopping around. Oh, there's, um, uh, like we mentioned in our last episode, based on a poll uh, that uh, our producer Dakota put out. Votes on uh, votes are for more weird stuff in the podcast. I'm so, excited for that. So, uh, yeah, definitely immediately. I already looked up some, some more interesting things. It's coming. It's coming. Um, I don't even want to mention it. I'm not even going to, I'm going to spoil the, the surprises we have planned coming. So, yeah, yes. Oh boy. Uh, and the manic pixie weirdo podcast. Um, I believe they go over like relationship advice. Like, they, I haven't, got into that one as much as one of Dakota's uh, shows she really likes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they kind of cover like relationship advice, kind of like pointers here and there on either side. So nice. things that you might, might catch some things you might need to hear and maybe some perspectives you didn't think of before. And maybe just be like, Oh, maybe I should try that next time. I, you know, get flowers or yeah. what have you take that where you want to. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's, it's a cool idea. I mean, it's like, it's like real, it's not uh it's not Delilah on yeah. some somewhat late night show where she's just judging you for how you're living your marriage when she's been married like five times. Yeah, the number keeps growing. The number is growing. I don't know if she she hasn't quite hit double digits yet, but uh, she's uh, she probably planned the hell out of a wedding. She's probably really good at that. Oh yeah, I for sure. Plan the fuck out of a wedding for sure. So, incredible adventures and the Manic Pixie uh, Weirdo podcast. Two great people. Um, they're also really supportive of the local podcast community. Well, indie podcast community. I should say local because podcasts are all over the world. Uh, incredible adventures is coming out of somewhere in the UK, for example. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, he's British. His voice is great. His narrating is great. Um, but yeah, his. Uh, yeah, he's from the UK. I'm not quite sure where uh, Manic Pixie's from, but uh, yeah, just this indie podcast, like this group we've got, this collective we've got growing. We're trying to all like pep each other up. And it's, yes. It's really refreshing because I, I thought Twitter was a bad place, uh, but it's, I can speak highly of the podcasting community because they're just very, very wholesome, nice people. Oh, nice. Very, very yeah. nice, like wanting wanting the best Okay. or everybody's show and like offering to try to like do different things. Like, you know, maybe, you know, guest star here or, you know, try this out, giving pointers and, you know, really it's great. Right. Okay. It's refreshing yeah. to see that in, uh, in the pod, in a, in a, not just any, any community. Uh, uh, we have some announcements for the end of the show. Uh, we're going to like, uh, kind of reiterate our, uh, road to a thousand, uh, downloads, which we hit, by the way, we're over a thousand. Yes. Very much appreciate you guys checking us out. That's all you guys. That's all you guys. Uh, and for you guys, we're going to have a, uh, a giveaway and the rules are that we're going to talk about at the end of the show. 
because uh, we're going to get right into it in this one. Awesome. Yes. Part two, Jimi Hendrix. Yes. This is the all conspiracy episode. I don't know <laughs> Take, why I did that that way. Taking a trip down weird lane. Yeah. So last time, the kind of like the way I, I, I like to set a lot of context and like with Jimi Hendrix, especially, I mean, he's just, we learned in the last episode that, I mean, he was, he was only with the Jimi Hendrix that we understand him or we most known him for most, yeah, most know him for was, was a four year span. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, he was 27 when he died and it was, it's crazy to think he achieved so much, so young, so fast. Yeah. And I, I, Sadly, I do think part of his legend does come from uh, it does get a boost from him dying tragically young. And there are some mysteries with his death, as we learned. But uh, he was he was a badass in life. And it's not. It is not like there's a mystique that boosted his, you know, his some of his fame, you know, from the tragedy of it. You know, it's it is a tragedy. Yeah. But he was a certified badass in life. Oh yeah. Like there is no denying the gravitas this guy had on stage just watching him play. And I'm not even the biggest Jimi Hendrix fan. Respect his respect his music. Uh it's, it's not my flavor, you know, it's not my favorite uh style to just like plug in and listen to. But he did some cool shit for music. Um and he's he's just the basis of so many people's inspirations for music and you oh know, yeah just they genres from. as a whole i mean yeah, yeah there's a lot of influence there yeah he was a, he was a force to be reckoned with on stage he did a ton of music and and it's cool to find and you know, and it might for the people that you know didn't know he he couldn't read music like the, the music is you understand it as like you know when you think of like lines and bars and stuff um he couldn't read music and he couldn't write music but maybe he could he could write it in a very like crude way like maybe somebody who understands like tabs yeah like he probably knew like you know what maybe what an a chord was but he probably couldn't write it down on like a state you know on a on a staff yeah Uh, i couldn't write it out on a staff but i could like show you what an a chord is on a guitar yeah exactly uh so he probably knew it to some rudimentary level as far as like writing it down but he sure as shit knew what it was. It's like just sonically and through yeah, feel holding and it. Yeah. He just played until he found the patterns that sounded good. And he went with that. You know what I mean? It's, it's cool that like his ears naturally found scales, which is like, it's crazy to think of because like, there's a lot of like music theory is essentially a theory behind why things sound good yes, and what yes, sounds exactly. good together. So someone had to first, the people who created these theories, you know, they're just as human as we are. And so there's a lot of like, they had to sound it out and see what sounded good first and then write a theory, you know, makes the theory itself. Right. It's just people in a room going, yes, yes, no. Play another one. No. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it, no. Like it's just, it's trial and error and eventually you write it down and that's music theory. Yeah. And so you can, when you just skip that process, you're just skipping the, why does it sound good? And just, no, I, I know it sounds good. I don't know why, but I'm doing it. It's the difference between finding, finding your favorite restaurant on a map and then just knowing muscle memory, how to get there. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of like that. Like a, it, music theory is there to help you kind of see what you're doing and maybe visualize, um, you know, how certain chords can break down. And actually, by looking at them, you can tell how they're going to go together. Uh, but I mean, you can you can totally write music without it. I mean, I don't. I can't write. It would take me forever, and I could do it very poorly. Put music on actual music bars. Very very crude at it. Um, but it would just be easier for me to write down on paper, like, okay, do this, like a chord, do this, you know, go up to the C and do that. Like I could write that out or I could just play it, show it to you guys Yeah. And because of your understanding of theory. Um, you would be able to translate that into like how you understand it and boom, we're on our way to writing a song. Like exactly. We send video files back and forth all the time in our band Otherworld. Um, just basically taking like snippets. Uh, of all these different like recordings and then eventually we'll wind up with like a full song by the end and like but it'll the by the first recording to the last recording they sound completely different usually yeah it's really cool to see them go i want to i want to make like a, a back catalog of those and just have them for people to check out like how some of our songs like started it's it's iphone quality but iphone's that, that would be a cool uh like basically home recording to release after i die of oh, like yeah, songs I've already recorded, but here's what it first sounded like as per, um, as per, uh, talking about what we were in the last episode was yeah, not necessarily like releasing demos is cool as a fan, but sometimes as an artist, like I, it depends. I would mind, like I would have to approve of the demos being released and they would have to be labeled as such. Yeah. Cause you don't want like, Ooh, uh, I, I got really kind of like, I, uh, not heated, let's say, but I got really kind of like a, leaned into a rant a little bit about releasing music that like, you know, like Michael Jackson, Jimi Hendrix, like there's even a, a, an article we read uh, that the guy was like, are you sure that he would have wanted to release this? Like it doesn't sound as polished as a Jimi Hendrix song would normally be. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to hear it and it would have to be labeled like because I do not want the demos to be anywhere in the same canon as my polished stuff. OK, yeah. I mean, because I the stuff I release in a studio album, which is like, you know, a painting. I don't I you can look at the sketches, but no, those are sketches and no, this is the finished piece. Yeah, it's demos like those are sketches and it's like. Sometimes it's it's cool to hear it, but also like if you're like a real like audiophile, like you really want to you you want to hear every little bit of how this song came to be. And others, I, I like some of that more of the creation process rather than the actual demos. But um, uh, yeah, sometimes for me, like I'm very very particular about what gets released. And then like if maybe like I w- it would ask if I was still alive, I would I'll hopefully be able to ask like the fan base like would you want to see these? Yeah, that's true. And then if the, if there was a high enough calling for it, you release them as some kind of like cool documentary style. And here, enjoy the journey that the song took to get. Yeah. Yeah. But I intend, you know, but the difference between the home recordings for us is we would a listen to them to see if they're like decent enough quality to listen to and even put out into the internet. And then two, we would be going at it with the idea of, you know, we wanted you to enjoy this journey the song took. Yeah. For our fans specifically. We walking in knowing that was what these are made for. Oh, okay. That's so, understandable. 
Yeah, this is this is a public notebook. You're allowed yeah. to see this. Yeah. My journal or diary is mine. <laughs> and I will give you permission if I feel like it. Yeah. Uh this some yeah, just some things is not meant for people because you won't, you know, it's it's yours. It's your private. Um, and that's not what happened with Jimi Hendrix. No, no. In the last episode, we talked about that ex- uh, extensively. It's, it's just uh, more so with Jimi Hendrix's demos, even worse with like, we talked about Tupac and uh, Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Their literal journals, uh, uh, composite notebooks, whatever they call those like black and white speckly ones. Oh yeah. yeah. Is it a composite notebook or something like that? Yeah, it's, I think so. It's some, it, they're, they're, they're diaries. They're written in notebooks, but they're meant to be personal. They're not for other people to understand. It's none of your business. Like it's their private place to write whatever stuff they need to just get out of their brains. And it's in a notebook and not anywhere else. And it's for them to reflect on. Yeah, exactly. None of of our business. I would, I would be horrified to find out that a private journal of mine got turned into something just for the sake of like, God damn it. We didn't, we didn't come out with a new piece of dead guy merch this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's fucked up. And then I don't care what other family member approved it. Kurt Cobain didn't say you're allowed to do that. Tupac didn't say you're allowed to do that. Yeah. Some of his family members that needed to cash in did. Yeah, that's true. Maybe a page or two for a museum. <laughs> maybe the notebook in the museum for people that could maybe like wrap it open. Somebody in a museum is like, if it were in a museum, let's say Tupac's private journal was in a museum for maybe people to see, but not like uploaded to the internet. I think that's acceptable because it's in a place where you're a, it's meant for you to like think critically and understand this is a journal, but when you can buy it at like Barnes and Nobles, wow. Or Barnes and Nobles, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Uh, just the average person who's not thinking of it as a journal. is just like somebody's scribbled in notebook. They're just going to flip through it and read all this personal private shit songs that they're just like, you know, just like they had this song they never intended to release, but they just needed to get it out of their head. Cause I needed to move on. Yeah. We could go this whole episode on this. I don't mean to go on this huge tangent, but um, I think some of that stuff's real personal. And I think it's again, none of our business. You know, what else is real personal. Some of these conspiracy theories that Thank are developed you. around Jimmy. Excellent, Hendrix. excellent tie-in, my friend. And I have a theory. Okay, ooh, yes, you, uh, you, you meant to have this in the uh, the last episode, but it's come back to you now. Yes, I had a brain fart. It's come back to you now. <laughs> times, times, times. Whatever that quote is, Ian McKellen. You mentioned yes near the ending of the episode, part one. Uh, yes, the part one, the episode. You mentioned about how we kind of touched on how old we would think that Jimi Hendrix was if he was alive today. 70-ish, 80-ish, yeah. Yes. I think that Jimi Hendrix is indeed Morgan Freeman. Oh, my God. And the reason why Morgan Freeman did not exist as a young person. (laughs) Morgan Freeman has always been old. I'm so mad that I don't get to spring that conspiracy on you because we are 100% going to talk about that one. 
<laughs> I have two different articles on it. <laughs> God damn it. And I'm going to show you a picture that's going to make you think he could be. Uh, back when I was re- recording uh, the, the music to uh, Foxy Lady. I mean, uh, and I never did that. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Excuse me while I touch the sky. <laughs> Purple haze. Foxy later. <laughs> oh, man. You're going to talk about one of my favorite people. Just He's the voice of everything. Whoa, whoa. He's almost going to start with him first, but we get a little grim in the middle of this, and I thought we'd have some levity to bring it back. Man, I was... God damn it. I'm mad that I don't get to spring that up. <laughs> God damn you and that, that smart brain of yours. I love, that's the only reason I had. It's because how old he would be now and the fact that I chill, I've never anything. seen any Ruined picture of Morgan Freeman young ever. I he, don't know if he has or has been young. I've never seen true facts about animals. <laughs> he does a great Morgan Freeman and he does one on Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman was born in his mid forties. <laughs> Morgan Freeman spoke to a wall and the wall spoke back. <laughs> it's great. Oh, uh, if I would have known, I would have done the, and we are two musicians that dive into the realm of, <laughs> and we are two musicians that dive into the realm of music conspiracies and the people that write it. And whether or not that Morgan Freeman is, in fact, the madman Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> oh, man, that, that white hair. That's that's what LSD will do to you. And being 80. <laughs> uh, he looks good for 80. Yeah, but I mean, he's always been 80. So he's always been 40. And then the 2000s happened and he just gained 30 years. Yep. That's I mean, that's what happened in my book. <laughs> I was actually 16 years old in Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Though I look to be a man in my mid forties. Jimi Hendrix would have had to have crawled three football fields. (laughs) God, that's such a good movie. Love Morgan Freeman. When I was in Bruce Almighty, I turned the ripe old age of 32. I normally don't like to do documentaries, but I decided to do Bruce Almighty anyway. (laughs) Playing yourself in a film is quite narcissistic, but I thought, well, I'm Morgan Freeman. (laughs) All right. So, okay. Yeah. 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 We ruined a beautiful segue, but uh, we're going to start off with a thing called the Ballad of Jimmy. Okay. Um, There are multiple. Uh, occasions of Jimi Hendrix, well, at least two, well, three situations where it's alleged that uh, Jimi Hendrix predicted his own death, that he was oh. going to die young. Okay. And one of these, uh, as you mentioned in the four bearing episode, episode one, uh, that it is a song that like most of the lyrics are saying this. Uh, the Ballad of Jimmy is the is the main the main one that, that draws us to this, and the other ones are kind of like additional ones. But yes, okay, the Ballad of Jimmy, the Ballad of Jimmy. So, um, two years before he would release his like 
uh, his biggest, one of his biggest albums, Are You Experienced? Um, he, you know, we've talked before how he was like a backing guitarist for like the Isley Brothers and uh, Little Richard and then like a, a British yeah. band uh, and the squats like in the Squires. Um, he recorded a song called The Ballad of Jimmy. So even at that time, he was, you know, he's a backing guy, but he, you know, kind of jammed out. Uh, he would record every now and then. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, in some of those compilation albums that we talked about in part one would include material from this era, like anything he was on. Oh, so even as like a backup guitarist. Absolutely anything wow. with his name attached to it is wound up on a is just fodder for compilation albums. Any oh anything he did, it's yeah, it's a bit much. So the track tells the story of a man called Jimmy, who the narrator describes will be dead in five years. Hendrix told everyone the story was about his best friend, a man called Jimmy who also happens to play the electric guitar. Oh, how convenient. One might say that was very convenient. <laughs> uh, the lyrics are many things he would try for. He knew soon he'd die. Now Jimmy's gone. He's not alone. His memory still lives on five year, five years. This he said, he's not gone. He's just dead. Five years later, on the 18th of September, 1970, Jimi Hendrix was dead in his hotel. Wow. So, yeah, that was probably one of the major ones. There's not like, I, I, I looking for this, I'd, I'd find a little bit, but a little bit more, but it's just kind of like, they describe it as like creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't think he was, he, he's definitely like a deep guy, but I don't know if he would be, I don't know if he was into like the whole premonition stuff too much to like, you know, I have predicted my own death. I think five years sounds like a good number. Maybe when he was writing it or like, I don't know. It's creepy. It's creepy yeah. to be that specific. I mean, it might be like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like seeing a palm reader and then, <laughs> and then like, well, she told me five, so I'm just going to go with it. Well, God damn it. You're on fire. I'm on fire today. One of the other instances of one of these like premonitions that he would have of his death as he was in Morocco <laughs> and um, he got a tarot card reading and the death card emerged. Oh, so allegedly Hendrix turned to his friend and said, I'm going to die before I'm 30. Wow. He just seemed really set on being dead before 30. Which, ah, man, if if it wasn't for all the wine, because like, would your body let you? I mean, if you were thrown into a giant tub of wine and you just succumbed to falling, you know, sinking, and it just fills you up that way, that's one thing. But would your body let you drink that much wine? I. Th- you'd have to throw it up. I I mean, I know there's instances where people have died by playing a game where they take shots of water and being that it was just water, they thought it was safe, but they ended up drinking like those office, like big canisters of like the water cooler at the office. Like, like one of those worth of, I'm out of water and drowned from the inside. But 
Oh yeah, yeah, because you can overhydrate. Like it's yeah, I know, duh, it sounds like drowning, but it's actually with your cells. Yeah. You know, like uh, there's a marathon runner that died that way. But this was asphyxiation. Yeah, this was like being filled up. I don't know how this one lady did it where she didn't drown, but like she drank so much that she like she messed herself up on like a a, a weird chemical level. Like it wasn't like wow. she like drank too much and there wasn't any air. It was all water in her lungs. It was like, she like oversaturated herself. Yeah. It's crazy to think you can do that, but that's a, that's a freak scenario that that happened that way. Yeah. But as far as asphyxiation with Jimmy is concerned, I don't think that that's possible without someone doing it to you and his lungs. Yeah. That's someone full of wine. That's someone as you're choking and trying to spit it up, they're still pouring it like you're being water ported. Yeah, that's what the, the the document said. It's akin to being waterboarded. Um, yeah, I don't. How are you going to, with Jimi Hendrix being that big at the time, especially. Right. How are you going to, from the coroner, from the autopsy report, it's like, yeah, it's that's akin to being waterboarded and not run with that. To- well, the, the analysis was that I don't know if that was in the official report. Yeah. I don't know if anybody, like, I don't know if any, like any, like the, the articles I got would make that comparison. I don't think that was in a police report. Okay. Now from the, not like a quote from the corner. Or no, anything the, like co- that. the corner was like, Oh my God, there's so much goddamn wine. Uh, but they, I don't, that's an analysis. That was an analogy made by the person who wrote that art, that particular article. Okay. Apologies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was just basically they're saying like, that's what happens when you get waterboarded. Basically like you just, it just keeps going and you just can't spit the water out fast enough. Yeah. And that's, I feel like your def- body's defense mechanism would gag, you know? Yeah. It, I, I'm gagging thinking about it. Like you just get so, you would get so sick. Like a belly full of beer feels like you've got rocks in your stomach. I mean, I've been drunk one time where I was, you know, I was thrown up in the bathroom and I was trying to drink water to kind of level myself out and and i've had the instance of where i try to drink some water but i can't because then i have to throw up and i you can't drink when you're when it's coming the other way you know it's like a one-way valve you can't right now do that well yeah no it's terrible murder murder it's imagining it's either murder or he's morgan freeman that's the only two options. <laughs> there are, there is no C's a or B. Um, it definitely looks weird. Like the, the, all the reports say it was a gratuitous amount of wine. Um, yeah. So I don't, I, I, I don't know. Well, we're going to learn more about what people think later on. Um, the song purple haze had an interesting theory that could be drawn from it. Not necessarily one of the more like, the first two are more of like he's predicting his own death. And this is one of like more of like even less popular kind of ideas is that like Hendrix said that the lyrics for uh, Purple Haze were inspired by a dream that he could walk underwater. Oh. Okay. So he was walking under the he was walking under the sea and when a purple haze surrounded and engulfed him, Hendrix claimed that the experience was traumatic, but luckily his faith in Jesus is what saved him. Oh. So then purple haze, the purple haze, wine, wine, wine yeah. water. Yeah. 
drowning, going to heaven. There's a lot that can be like, meh. Yeah. Meh. Like, that, it's not, that's definitely like uh, drawing straws and kind of connecting dots that aren't yeah, like so with, visibly there, but it's just like, okay. Like with other theories we've talked about, it's it's one of those things where it's like, no, you want to see it, so that's what you're seeing. Right. But it's very entertaining. Yes. Um, there, so those are like his like major, there's a few other ones that are like, they're less popular, but those are the main, like him predicting his death. And the fact that it happened definitely two times, two and a half times. If you count the last one, I haven't predicted my death once. (laughs) Oh, at least to a point where I'm giving it a number. I might joke and say, if that's the way it's happening, I had it coming. (laughs) Yeah. You know, something crazy like a lightning bolt or something. I definitely feel like I could guess uh, not a time or a day or, you know, age or anything like that. But how I feel like I could probably guess probably going to be something stupid. That's what I'm afraid of. (laughs) You know, something that you could have on a good day circumnavigated around but it's just because you were like a little sluggish that day you gotta worry yeah it's when you take a day off (laughs) you're you're at more risk on your uh your relaxed days yeah it's it's like that that one time because i was on vacation so i was a little bit slower that day (laughs) on your tombstone it just says here lies here lies joe should have looked both ways yeah exactly something stupid here lies joe one pop tart too many. <laughs> you can't make pop tarts and take a bath at the same time. It's that level of stupid. Yeah. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Now bring the toaster in with me. God. Somewhere I'm like, it's only 120. The circuit breaker will pop anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a pick me up. <laughs> so um, now that we've, we've passed that, we're going to get into the conspiracy zone, excuse me. The conspiracy, the conspiracy zone. Um, and we're going to start off with what I think is the more likely, uh, and it's a cons- it's all up by the way. Uh, Hendricks lawyers, this is a theory. Oh, oh, this is a legend. Daneman's estate lawyers, if she had an estate, uh, this is a theory, a legend, yep. a legend theory. This is what the internet thinks of you. Yeah. Actually, them. So, <laughs> not necessarily my opinion, but I got them. <laughs> anyway, so um, we're starting off with Mike Jeffries. Uh, there seems to be two theories about Mike. I keep wanting to say Jeffries, like, like Jim Jeffries. Yeah. But it's Mike Jeffrey. Okay. Mike Jeffrey. It's not Jeffries. It's Mike Jeffrey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, killing Hendrix. Two theories that... Uh, this guy, his old manager, as UK manager, the Brit, you know, uh, when he was in the UK, his manager there, uh, that he killed him. And whether or not he did it, if you've got two major conspiracy theories that you killed the person, uh, you maybe managed or just were involved with, yeah, you must have been a real dick. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, there's. If he was a good boss, I don't think he would have had any conspiracies. Yeah. If, if people were like, oh, no, he was really good. Hendrix loved him. He was just, uh, 
he was like a father figure really helped guide him through the, through the, the music business business. I don't think there would be a conspiracy theory. Yeah. At least by any, you know, unless it's like the inquirer. Um, but it, he has two and they're not the worst. <laughs> they're really not. They're really not the worst, uh, the worst conspiracies as far as like being totally out there. Yeah. It's not Elvis as a gardener. No, no. Well, that's the if you survived. It's not so much uh, Elvis being taken out by the FBI. Yeah. Um, this guy must have been a real, real, must have pissed off a lot of people. And a lot of people are like, you know what? Fuck that guy. Yeah, I think he did it. So we're going to our first theory. Is that, speaking of the FBI, that Jeffrey was working with the FBI. Ah. Um. Now, the article I got for this, and because we're in, we're in the conspiracy zone, I, I get taken down to some interesting, some interesting websites. We've got all our sources and the, uh, uh, I think if we, when we, po- I believe we post the show notes um, at some point. So at some point, these will be available and all the links that I use are at the bottom under sources, not in your professional Chicago format. I apologize. It's a website. Uh, College is over for me and hopefully for a long time. So I'm not being graded on these things, but I do try to like, it does take me down some, let's say less than reputable sources. But if it's that case, I'll try to find three or four that are saying the same things. And I kind of know to go with that. Yeah. Um, So, cause it, cause some of the dates and things vary but I really did try to parcel through this because this is a, uh, you got to get past Wikipedia on some of these. Uh, a lot of these. It's a great Wikipedia is a great place to start, but you got to like, you really, you got to read. This is a couple hours of ciphering through some bullshit. And um, I want to do a, a there's, I want to critique this article a little bit, the way it was written. Okay. It, it, it is written in what seems to be, it seems to be written by a 14 year old girl on Microsoft paint. The website had like, yeah, it had the sidebars of these really bad floral patterns. Like it's like hippie. Nice. Um, it seems to be written by a 14 year old girl, like with braces and in what I'm calling bad conversational. Oh, so the girl from finding Nemo who tapped on the glass. Yeah. Yeah. Like if she grew yeah. up a little bit yeah. and then started to write like uh, theories, like conspiracy theories about famous people who died in weird ways. Uh, Cause there's a lot of like, guess what? And in, in, in the art, and there's that happens like twice, and they'll go off on a tangent from the original idea to like express a kind of different point. I know we do that, yeah, but we're talking about them right now. <laughs> so they'll go off on a tangent, and then they'll return to the original idea on a new paragraph that starts with "yo." Anyway, wow. So like, this is a conspiracy that that Jeffrey killed Hendrix. So I was at the mall the other day and I saw this, I saw this great pair of shoes. Anyway, so coming back to the original idea, <laughs> it's kind of like that, but it had bits of information I wanted. So I had to read through this bullshit <laughs> and I understand a lot of it is bullshit. You can type better than that. Especially like this format that we're on the podcast. It's there's fodder between two people having a conversation. Right. right. We open the door with, this is conspiracies and bullshit, but Hey, it's fun. Yeah. If you're writing like a column, a paper 
uh, who are you like going back and forth with? You know, how do you rabbit yeah, know, hole like, like that? It's, it's written in conversational, but it's a one-way conversation. Exactly. Which is how some people prefer things, but not me. I like I like the discourse. Oh yeah. Whoo. Anyway, so the theory so anyway. <laughs> I wanted to do that. It's such a horrible way to get back. So anyway, uh the theory is that Hendrick's manager, uh the UK manager Jeffries purposely had him killed. Oh, Jeffries allegedly lawyers belong to a government group called uh, Cointel Pro. And I'm hoping I'm saying that right because it's C-O-I-N coin T-E-L-P-R-O Cointel Pro. And if that's an acronym, that's a shit acronym. Uh, it was a counterintelligence program that was designed by the FBI to study and eradicate Radical behavior by certain individuals in American society. Uh, so killing interesting people. What a lame cult to be a part of. Well, it's the FBI. Allegedly. <laughs> well, it's the FBI. Call it what you will. I mean, call it what you will. But yeah, so they're they're there to basically make sure things. It's almost like the there's an episode of the X-Files where like, you know, they talk about how the the smoking man uh, was involved in different historical acts, like, you know, taking out Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. and stuff like that. Like he was all like connected to all of that. Yeah. And it was because these people were making big changes in society and like the, uh, the shadow government was trying to keep all that like going a certain way and they were, you know, bringing it off the path they wanted it to. So these I mean, people like had to die. I mean, was Jimi Hendrix really, starting rock that much i mean it wasn't that he was he, well, he didn't start rock he was he was he was he was taking it in a different direction but he was also like i guess it wasn't him specifically but we were talking about like this with the 60 like i almost said the swinging 60s that came up a lot in these articles like sure you know so sure, this could be a part of swinging 60s like it was yeah the sixties, the late sixties going into the seventies, primetime hippie era, um, big time. Like, you know, they're not like in that, uh, socialism, communism's kind of like Marxism's kind of rearing its head Yeah, in, you know, America. Okay. Cause a lot of people at this time thought it was a really good idea. Uh, and it's, you know, Woodstock and things like that. It's, it's really popular. It's, um, it was really popular at the time. It was the young people getting away from their parents that were doing, you know, flat tops tucked in short sleeve button up shirts with a tie going to work. Oh yeah. You know, the, the right time to be a white bread dream picket fence. Um, you know, they're getting away from that and they wanted to be as opposite of that as they possibly can. So like being naked covered in mud and Woodstock is about as opposite as you can get. I'm down. Oh no, dude! No, the smell <laughs> alone. I don't care how good a concert is. Like, if there is not working bathrooms, I will watch it at home. <laughs> That's cool. Even like outside festivals nowadays have decent like portalettes. Not, dude. I wouldn't trust one now, especially like. Uh, Can you? Where were all these people going to the bathroom? I know that's a weird thing to think about at Woodstock, but there were thousands of them. 
Yeah. Where are they going? <laughs> Is that mud that they're all covered? <laughs> There's just one, like a couple tents set up that are designated, like a hole cut through the tarp in the bottom. This is a shitter hole. <laughs> Had to move it a few times. This one's full. Oh, God. God, nah, dude. It would be, oh, dude. The B.O. in the wind. Nah, dude. Nah. I respect my, I respect my scrubbing soap in a shower too much. That's why you always had to uh, uh, be on enough drugs to not let the, you can't smell anything anymore. <laughs> You're just smelling emotion and tasting color. <laughs> oh man, this sound smells amazing. <laughs> Literal tasty guitar riffs. Um, so it wasn't that he was, it was that he was like perpetuating it. Cause like Jimi Hendrix was definitely a partier. He definitely loved like the era he was, you know, growing up in at the, you know, not growing up. I mean, he would definitely love that era. Yeah. Um, and he was de- he was making it cool, like he he was a cool hippie dude, doing cool hippie things, making yeah. it seem like a like oh man I want to be what Hendrix is and Hendrix was a hippie well like kind of he was he was more into like the psychedelics and stuff maybe not being like I don't know if he was like flat out hippie but he yeah. definitely liked the culture and he was a big like I guess perpetuator of it. So it was, it was kind of like keeping him from making it look appealing to people, I suppose would be the worry. Okay. I can, I can get that. So he's that, like, a, he's like, he's taking out the spokesman for. It's like, uh, it's kind of like how Bob Marley was for weed. It's yeah, like so much more than weed. Yeah. But and that, well, that's such a sad to everyone out of that realm. It yeah, was yeah, yeah. like, oh, that's the weed guy. And then them same people viewing Jimi Hendrix is like, oh, that's the psychedelics and drugs guy. Yeah, like, I guess you could say like he's like the, becomes the poster child for it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, man, I want to be like Hendrix. You know, I want to get covered in maybe mud naked <laughs> in a cold field. All the all the heavy, heavy Bible thumpers just being like, I don't want my kid listening to that. Getting hooked to LSD. And- pretty, pretty much uh, is. <laughs> And the chances are, if they did, they would. <laughs> it's, I mean, it was a legitimate fear. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> of how accessible that shit was. Um, you listen to J- Jimi Hendrix. Next week, I'm not going to find you naked, covered in shit. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I lack the album. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, Williams ain't cutting it no more. You don't have to go to Woodstock. Just there's certain uh, towns in Florida you can just visit. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Jesus Christ. You're not wrong. That's what's... <laughs> Woof. So, uh, Jeffrey. Um, yeah. So uh, he would be considered one of these like. uh certain individuals you know he's a perpetuator of a movement that they don't like and so the fbi wanted to take him out take him out <laughs> his, his ribs are too goddamn tasty <laughs> take him out johnson <laughs> make him disappear good night i hear he likes wine oh geez yeah um so jeffrey i uh, had numerous um 
Jeffrey basically allegedly uh, was connected to a lot of underground organizations. Yeah. You know, surprise, 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 surprise. A shady businessy guy is connected to, you know, the mob, a couple other shady organizations, uh, maybe gets picked up by the FBI to be a rat. You know, you'll get five years as opposed to 30 if you bring us this dude. And it was at that point that I realized I may have fucked up. <laughs> I remember the time that I suspected my manager of working with the FBI because he was caught and had to bring the head of Fatty Malone. <laughs> it's the dumbest and worst. Thank you, buddy. I'm being visited by uh, my cat ghost right now who has decided to lay claim to my mouse pad. As long as you don't hit stop recording, you can sit right there. He doesn't have an Instagram yet, but we need to make him one. It's actually his birthday today. Oh, really? Yep. He is two. Well, happy birthday to ghost. Happy birthday, ghost. Happy birthday to you. But anyway, so Jeffrey was, uh, he was in the process of building a recording studio in um, New York City, which was primarily mob controlled. Oh, so that was happening. Hell so yeah. Some of this is true. Um, maybe not having him killed allegedly, but that fact that he was a shady dude who knew shady people. Well, hello, I'm Don, and I'm the host of Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre. Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre is a delectable delight of true crime and the macabre sprinkled with just the right amount of that dry British humour. Horror House can be found anywhere that you listen to podcasts and is on Instagram at Twitter at horrorhouse underscore pod and on Facebook at horrorhousepod. Episodes are released weekly on a Friday or as weekly as studying full-time and working part-time allows. So why don't you make a brew and come join me as I weave tales of horror and discomfort. Until next time, stay spooky. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we at Phantom Jukebox believe in taking care of yourself. So if you or someone in your life is suffering from mental illness, don't be afraid to ask for help. There's no shame in asking for help when you need it. Be that friend to yourself and those around you. Check out our social media for more information and links to important resources. Thanks for listening. So there's a second theory. Okay. And same the, guy. Same guy. So theory number two. Yes. Uh, that of uh, Jeffrey's involvement with uh, uh, Hendrix's death is that he would Hendrix was worth more dead to Jeffrey than alive. Which might have been true. So take out uh, take out the FBI, and now it's just him going after him directly. <laughs> wow. Um, that that is Ghost chiming in. He's he's a big baby boy. So other our other main theory is that uh, Jeffries had a life insurance policy on Jimi Hendrix, to which Jeffries allegedly oh. was the only benefactor. Which I don't know if you can do that, but maybe it's like, because in a way he would be treating Hendrix like an asset. I mean, unless someone has declared like mental uh, 
incompetence, I think is the word. Like the Britney Spears shit? Yeah. I don't think anyone else should legally be able to uh, make a life insurance policy for anyone else. Yeah, no, it seems really like... uh, Unless it's a minor or mentally incompetent like that, you know? Oh, that's like 100% putting a target on somebody's back. It's just like, "Mm, why'd you cash in on that now? So uh, it's an accidental death insurance policy was like the stipulations of it. And some people say it was worth a million dollars. Some people say it was worth $2 million. So I'm going with a million. Rather be conservative on the bullshit conspiracy. Yeah. Um, And then a million dollars in 1969 was the equivalent or is the equivalent to $7 million, $7,833,896. Wow. So just kind of sort of is shy of $8 million. Uh, hopefully I read that right. 7,833,896 and 46 cents uh, today. So Mike Jeffrey wasn't, a, he was manipulating Hendrix's life as well as siphoning money away from him into offshore accounts. So that doesn't look good. And he, uh, I think there was, this goes back to alleged that at one point he was talking about said insurance policy to somebody. Um, uh, Jeffrey was in Spain during the time of Hendrick's death, but some people think he was like connected still. It was just like a, he did it while he was away thing. Um, another is that, uh, so a major proprietor that Jeffrey had him killed was written by this dude named James Tappy Wright. So he is like their second theory that he had the life insurance theory, let's say is mainly pushed by this dude named James Tappy Wright. Okay. Who was a roadie for Hendrix in the back in the day. Of course, this theory comes from a fucking book that he wrote about it. Oh, so yeah. Whenever I see in their book, you know, my new book, uh, you know, I'm it's time to tell the truth. But twenty five ninety nine at Barnes and Noble. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going on my book tour to sell the truth. And it's like, sell, sell the truth. Uh, I immediately go to uh, bullshit. And yeah. uh, you're you're selling this dude's death to sell him using this dude's death. To sell headlines, whether or not your book is full of bullshit, not worth the paper it's printed on the man, uh, Hendrix for a fact, one way or another drowned to death. Yeah. That's a horrible way to die. And your book, instead of being about maybe your memories with Hendrix, which I would, I would accept that. I mean, I'm not really one to judge. Yeah. A book from a roadie of just stories of touring with the guy that that could be really interesting. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure you could have your scandals and stuff in there too, but if you labeled it, it's just my memories, the road of my memories, you know, just, you know, a roadie in the back, you know, just, just give it a, whatever audio book it. Um, but uh, there, it's it's considered a tell-all book about what happened with Jimi Hendrix's death. It's okay, so his actual death is what you're trying to 
is actual death. That's what you're trying to make money on. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's the more we talk about stuff like this and uh, just people like selling, like trying to cash grab on everything. There's always a tasteful way to do something. 100%. Like there is always a tasteful way to turn your uncle into a guitar or to, (laughs) (laughs) to to write a book about a, a dead friend. There is, there's a tasteful way to do it. Most of these people that we talk about are pieces of shit and never took the piece, the tasteful route. Oh man. Episode one, uh, the fucking, um, the book that lady wrote on Elvis. That oh yeah. She must've pumped that shit out. She revised it because she already wrote the fictional book and she was just waiting for his ass to die so that she could change it to true quote unquote, true story. She must've had that shit done in three months. Yeah. And going back to uh, bragging about my friend who spent three to four years writing one book. He's writing a series. So he's been doing pieces of other books. So he's been kind of working on the series as a whole. But the main book, which is going to start it all, he's definitely spent three to four years on having it professionally edited. Yeah. And he's like, he's, he wants it to be perfect. Or even like how long we take to write a song. <laughs> Yeah, in other world, like we're, we talked about uh, being perfectionist in episode one about not liking having the demos just released on, you know, on a whim. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Like too much of a perfectionist. Like I, yeah. I would, especially if it was, it's involving somebody's death, which you respectfully, if you're going to like tell the truth, you would go and do it on like news. Yeah. Speaking of a high, you know, speaking of a high point now, because I'm not in the position where I have said information and, uh, you know, he had, let's say he had the information he could choose to put it in a book or, you know, tell the news from a logical standpoint, you would tell the news because if you put it in a book, it looks like you're a sensationalist asshole. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the news kind of does that already, but it's at least free. And if you want the truth to be out there so bad you would tell the truth in like a public forum. Exactly. There is a tasteful way to do just about anything. Right. So let's, we're, let's go in with like, not necessarily a grain, but a tablespoon of salt here over Tappy. He deserves a shitty nickname like that. Um, his bullshit story, but he is a major proprietor. He's not the only proprietor, but a lot of this article and a lot of some other articles keep borrowing from this book. Yeah. With, uh, with the so far with the conspiracies on Jeff. Um, uh, Mike Jeffries. Yes. Jeff, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Jeff for short. Uh, <laughs> Jeff. With My the name cons- is Jeff. With the conspiracies currently out, that's just all sounds like one conspiracy to me. Like he, he did the, the health insurance and then he went to Spain and had the FBI do it. Like that's all just one. Yeah. Just it's not it's not one or the other. It's just you put both in a blender. Yeah, not bad. I mean, they are pretty close. But one, it was like the FBI ordering him to have him killed, or uh, him on his own accord collecting the insurance money. Yeah. So it's 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 not really it's it's six degrees of one or the other. It's really not that different. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so. In this book, so Tappy's bullshit, sorry, book, 
uh, he alleges that, uh, so anyway, Hendricks, <laughs> he alleges that <laughs> Hendricks was murdered by his manager, uh, Mike Jeff, Michael Jeffrey, during the last few months of Hendricks' life where he was suffering from exhaustion, disillusionment with the music business, and dissatisfaction with his manager and was considering finding a new manager. So according to, uh, according to Tappy, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey feared to be replaced as new manager and decided he was going to go ahead and cash in on this $2 million policy before he couldn't. Cause if he wasn't the manager, he couldn't benefit. Oh, so he needed to be the manager to collect. It's like, no, it doesn't say my name in the agreement. It just says his manager. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that would make sense because otherwise it's just like me taking a life of policy out on you. Yeah. Where like, I suppose it being, a, it, it would be, it just probably wouldn't work because we're not directly connected in any way. Um, I suppose he has like, he's his manager. So he can use that as like, I guess there's some kind of like, insurance clause that allows that to happen yeah so essentially insurance policies are allowing you to put the value on somebody's life nice if you want to put it that way that's kind of what it is it makes sense if it's your partner and they're like the breadwinner of a, of a house yeah let's say and something horrible happens to them and it's you know you gotta figure it out 100 percent understand why uh life insurance policies like that exist and that's generally, thank you, Ghost. And that's generally why they should exist. The fact that a manager can take an insurance policy out on a person. Yeah. If it did happen and it can happen, which I'm not sure that it can. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of shady. Wow. If I found out, I mean, in a way, my company has an insurance policy out on me, like where I work. But my dad's the benefactor. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that's a little different. Like they're, like, but the company is not going to make money for me to be dead. If not, if that were the case, accidents would just happen all the time at work. Yeah, it would just be wow. This is a really dangerous place. <laughs> you should really watch where you're stepping. We really need more caution cones around here. Oh my god, is that a pit of chainsaws? <laughs> Jesus Christ. We need a handrail. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so. Tappy. Tappy, tappy, tappy. What do you. So you. So he's already gone to the. The douchebag level of. Uh, writing a book. About Hendrix's death. And he's selling Hendrix's death, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, claiming he's peddling snake. Well, he's not even snake oil. He's peddling that he under he is the one who knows the truth about Hendrix's death. Ah, uh, so he's already doing that. Already a piece of shit. Yeah, piece of shit. What do you think would be one step worse? Because he does it. What do you think would be the next worst thing he could do? He's already he's already peddling a book. Saying, I know the truth. This man did it. Which, I mean, if I were Jeffrey, uh, I would fucking sue for libel. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know how, if he worded it like allegedly or like how we're doing here, 
I mean, what we're doing here is a podcast talking about something that's already happened, quote unquote. This is already a theory that people have put out there. This isn't a theory we came up with. We're essentially reporting bullshit news. Um, Tappy is claiming to know the truth. So Tappy is like, well, allegedly he did blah. It's like, oh, so now you're a coward. Yeah. So not only are you selling it, you're a coward because you're probably writing this in a way where a liable lawyer can't go after your fucking throat. Yeah. Is, I mean, he's claiming that uh, he killed him, that Jeffrey killed Hendrix. So that is liable out the ass. Yeah, definitely. So, but what do you think on top of all that? How does he become more of a scumbag? More of a scumbag. How does he take it one step further? Does he hire a private investigator? No, I mean, there's reasons for that profession. So I'm not necessarily the worst. Um, I mean, that would be him trying to find out information, God forbid. But how, let's say like he makes a movie. It's in the book. So this happens in the book. What could he do in the book that makes him more of a center point, I guess. Um, Does he also like, kind of name slander Jimi Hendrix in a way. He doesn't name slander Jimi Hendrix. Uh, he doesn't really do that. He claims that Jeffrey confessed to him. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a little bit let's, more than uh So let's not only write this. Uh, if you hear clacking around, that's uh, Ziggy Smalls. Uh, find her on Instagram. Uh, not only does he claim to have the truth, he is the sole witness to it. Oh, he is, he knows, so he's the hero now of this story. He's written himself to be the hero. <laughs> he is Luke Skywalker. I was there. I saw it happen. Uh, he didn't see it happen. He says, he confessed it to me, a roadie, Tappy, little Tappy. <laughs> oh, tap, tap. Oh, oh my God. It's so... I don't know what book he's copying, but uh, so allegedly Jeffrey confessed to Tappy. <laughs> You're not telling a man named Tappy. You're not telling him shit. Um, well, one night we were alone and Jeffrey's came up to me. And he'd, <laughs> he'd, every every night during the tour, he'd, he would pull me aside and go, Tappy, I want you to know that every, every single waking moment, I think about killing Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and then... Jimmy Hendrix died. So. (laughs) My dearest diary. Today I needed a friend and Tappy was there. I pulled him aside and told him how fond I was of how he dressed. His smell. The way he wore. The way his hair was completely bald on top, but very long in the back. (laughs) The way his dirty road-stained jacket fit him so poorly. (laughs) One button on top, two unbuttons below. (laughs) The smell of his his chewing tobacco just permeated the air. Oh, sweet Tappy. (laughs) Tip-tap Tappy. 
But I didn't I didn't know that's what he was confessing to him was his love for him. Love for him. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That would be the next step. Not only is the hero, he's the love interest. <laughs> XO, XO, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> oh God. So oh God. It's it's something out of a of a bad noir book, you know. Yeah. Just like I mean, I wish I had uh God, I wish I had some noir music. Um. Oh man, I should have prepared that beforehand. So he, <laughs> I need you to banter for a second because I got to look for this. <laughs> it's hard to you can't prepare for uh something that a joke that may arise and banter. That's just that is all off the cuff. Trust me, people. This none of this is ever scripted. No, never. Wait. Even, I mean, besides the factual notes that are taken, it's still not written in like a script format. We are is by the seat of our pants. Okay, I think I got it. <laughs> this is this this isn't exactly what I was going for, but this this ought to work. <laughs> Let me go ahead. Oh, because okay. it's, it's such bullshit, and it's the it's the way this guy has written this. Just all right. So this is this is a quote from old Tappy. Uh, saying this is what Jeffrey's confession was. Faded in. I had to do it. Tappy, you understand, don't you? I had to do it. You know damn well what I'm talking about. We went round to his hotel room, got a handful of pills and stuffed them in his mouth. Then we poured a few bottle of, bottles of red wine down his windpipe. Oh. Just, not, it's such bullshit. Not pulling any punches at all. Just no. I'm just like, I know this is highly incriminating, Tappy, but goddamn it, there's something about your eyes that tell me <laughs> I can tell you anything. <laughs> I just love how you're bald on top and you've got that long, stringy, yellowish gray hair flowing <laughs> down your back. Let's see the penguin. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what I'm just, he's just like bullshit. Uh, Shut up! Just, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you everything you need to know to take my ass to prison. Something about the point of your nose and how it sticks six inches off your face—it just really gets me. It's just something about the way you bit into that dead raw fish. <laughs> tells me I can trust you. <laughs> I've got no reason to tell you I should take this to my grave, but. God damn it, Tappy, something about you says, take me away from this place. <laughs> I'm doing this for us, Tappy. I'm doing this for us, Tappy. <laughs> we'll take that, that $2 million and we'll go to Mexico like we always talked about. <laughs> we'll start a bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's such... Bullshit. Yeah. Like, I can't believe this guy has the just brass balls. Oh, just to, I mean, I, I researched this and I wrote this down, and I, I'm still having a hard time believing somebody had the balls to put this. Just to steel cojones. A cojones. Yeah, their little bar in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So in an interview, Tappy, old old Tip Tap, uh, said, "I can, I can still hear the conversation. 
see the man I'd known for so much of my life, his face so pale, hand clutching a glass in sudden rage. <laughs> Fuck. Um, to counteract all that load of bullshit, uh, in 1970, Bob Levine, who was Hendrick's U.S. manager you know, on stateside, um, stated, this is a quote, Jimi Hendrix was not murdered. Despite all the allegations that have been recently made, I need to set the record straight once and for all. Jimmy died an accidental death, but he definitely wasn't murdered, not by Michael Jeffrey, his UK manager, and certainly not by anybody connected to him. The whole thing is one giant lie. Oh. So I wanted to counteract that with the guy. Uh, <laughs> it's, his death is definitely weird. Yeah. But uh, I don't think Tappy knew the better for it. Fuck that guy. <laughs> And even though uh, Jeffries is some of the things pretty incriminating against him, I don't believe he's the one. Well, certainly. So whether or not he, Jeffrey, was involved with his murder, uh, there's one person that probably, well, let's just say didn't really help much. And that's Monica Dannerman. Yes. Dannerman. So Monica Daneman was his like his last girlfriend that he was with um, at the time. Uh, he dated around a lot, but this this was his you know the girlfriend that was with him until his death. Basically, they were at her apartment when he uh, when he died. Um, so the conspiracy that we've got Monica killing him was that uh, she had conflicting stories about what happened, and in the end, we can maybe throw some theories as this one's towards the end, because this is one that's got a lot of like, she just didn't oh, give a lot of right information. I have some theories. Oh, uh, about, about her. Oh, are, you yeah. gonna, are we going to need the new R music back? <laughs> All right. The most notable inconsistencies were over the time the ambulance was called. So the official records show that it was dispatched at 1118 AM, which is later than the latest time she said by 18 minutes. Okay. So, there's, and that's not the first. And then we keep getting different versions of events. She claims to have ridden in the ambulance with Jimi Hendrix. And in 1992, after uh, an extensive review of event of events of September 18th, 1970, the day he died, um, the London ambulance service issued an official statement. Quote, there was no one else except the deceased at the flat when they arrived, you know, flat meaning apartment. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Nor did anyone else accompany them in the ambulance to St. Mary Abbott's hospital. See? So it was the workers and dead Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Based on what we come to find out about her, I think she was trying to take more credit. Um, Me personally, actually, I'm going to save, I'm going to save my theories for the end, not to, not to sway yours. Okay. Yeah. Cause I got mine. So we're, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, Jeffries and Monica after, you know, what, where did they wind up? Uh, and they died kind of weird. Oh, right. So they're dead. They're both dead. Okay. Rightly so. Uh, one much later than the other, but uh, Mike Jeffrey, uh, he died in a mysterious mid-air collision over France in 1973. Mid-air collision? Mid-air collision. Well, damn. 
That's a cool ass way to die. <laughs> or it's a pretty planned way to die. Uh, he died in uh, the da, 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 da. he died over Nate's France on the 5th of March, 1973, eight days before his 40th birthday, three Wait. years after Jimmy. Mid air collision. I guess I could also be like into a mountain or something. For some reason, when you said mid air collision, I thought it was with another plane. I think it might have been. They just kept saying mid air collision. Yeah, they just said same mysterious plane crash. Huh. Yep. But uh, yeah, so he died three years after Jimmy. And then Daneman, who died at uh, 50, was found dead in her fume filled Mercedes after being found guilty of contempt of court after a repeat libel case against a uh, lady named Kathy etching him. What was that case for? Well, uh, both women were girlfriends of Jimi Hendrix in the 60s. Oh. Daneman was with him for 18 months. Etching him was with him for three years. Okay. So, um, basically, uh, I think Damon was making uh, claims against etching him about like, it's it's kind of like Damon was trying to say like, uh, sorry, Danerman was trying to make more claims about like being more involved with his life than she really was. Oh, and I think etching him was like, no, you're full of shit. And took him to court and they proved that etching him was right. Oh. So I think like Dane Dane was saying, like, you know, we were gonna get married. I think they might have been engaged. Um, but they're like, you know, she was this huge part of his life and stuff like that. And she's like, No, you you were hooking up with him for like a little over a year, year and a half. Like, no, I'm a bigger part of his life than you are. Wow. And I'm yeah. not doing what you're doing because um she made a career out of Dane Danerman made a career. Uh, yeah. She was a fiance made a career out of being Jimi Hendrix's fiance. Oh, so she did newspaper interviews, documentaries. She did a uh, book. She wrote books. Of course she wrote books. Uh, guest appeared at uh, Jimi Hendrix conventions, which I looked up. I was trying to find out what a Jimi Hendrix convention looked like. I don't think they have them anymore. Cause I could not find one. Wow. But she's just like, I'd go to that. I'd go with you, but I don't know if I would buy tickets if you didn't go. Yeah. Um, But it's just one of those people that, you know, it's just latching on. Like it's the, it's the best, easiest cash grab she can go for. So she's going to make a career out of being his, his fiance. Wow. It's, it's kind of messed up, but it's kind of what, um, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but. I believe um, there's issues with that and like Dimebag Daryl's like girlfriend, fiance doing the same kind of thing. Huh? Yeah. Like, I think she's like, I think she, I think she's battled the fam. That's something I'm going to look into because the the life and death of uh, Dimebag Daryl's one, I definitely want to cover. Okay. Um, And we're probably going to run into a similar situation with that. I'm not going to, not going to, over speculate but i know i have seen some things where like she will be involved with something with dimebag daryl's name on it that there is money connected to yeah it's like okay fuck you 
why don't you master something and release something people are just blows people's minds and then you can make your own money fuck you right yeah like you can you is is the residuals not enough from his from his guitar his custom his a uh, his guitar signature signature guitar series the razorbacks <laughs> um and the, from the music the royalties from that is that not enough because it is a substantial amount of money it's pantera wow yeah you know and uh the other i forget what the band he was forming it wasn't as big as uh i don't think it was ever going to be as big as pantera but i mean legendary band and it's come on <laughs> yeah for Jimi hendrix was there any other motive uh, to kill Jimi Hendrix other than just gaining the money from being his fiance and that never going away? See, that's that I I don't um they they never really gave me a lot with that with the the interview. I think with hers, the conspiracy mainly comes from because I mean they argued at the party, but they never really said that that really that that could have just been like a lover spat type type thing like they, they never yeah. said how serious it got nobody really knows i mean they went back together i mean she he, they were sleeping in the same bed okay well i already got a motive just from this well i mean what do you think her motive would have been to kill him well if seeing talent in Jimi hendrix and you know having a, a relationship that probably wasn't going to last forever. You could probably tell, you know, may have been engaged at the time, but she's like, I don't know really if he's, I don't think he's going to go through with the marriage. I don't think it's going to last forever, but you know what will last forever being the fiance of someone who died. Cause then can't ever say otherwise. Bam. My theories against that, though, is that though he was the badass that was Jimi Hendrix, he wasn't the Hendrix we know today, and I don't think she could account on him blowing up like that. That's true. Because, I mean, he he could have gotten bigger, and he was already, like, pretty big, but the money he was making was in the hundred thousands, um, which has been more than I make, way more. But, but I mean, it's, it's for, for the, a star of what he should have been making as his, you know, at his caliber should have been way more for his talent. Oh yeah. Um, but he wasn't, he was a pretty, I mean, if you look at it as crudely as possible, he was a pretty good cash cow alive and there's nothing of, from what I gather from her, I don't think she was, um choose my words carefully um savvy enough to pull the life uh life insurance thing and it wouldn't have even worked at the time because they weren't married yeah so she would have needed ideally i think she if she was going to go that route she would have needed to have waited yeah waited got him more famous married him and then yeah, he had killed him eventually if she was going to do it. But I don't think at this time, I think that what I think what she did was like just negligence. And for one reason or another, maybe she was really high 
maybe she was really distraught. I don't know. I mean, they didn't find her in the apartment when they got there because she was out, you know, she was out buying cigarettes at one point and she came back and he was all fucked up. But, um, maybe, I, I don't know. We don't know why she left and that's the problem. Yeah. We don't know where she went. Uh, we don't know why she called the ambulance allegedly so late. And why is she claiming to have ridden the ambulance when she didn't? Well, that I think is just simple. Like wanted to, uh, uh, like not seem as such bad person, you know, your cigarettes for me to get cigarettes. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, just getting cigarettes at, uh, she woke up three hours later, getting cigarettes at nine in the morning. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. What? It's a good enough what, excuse. I think to get really, out of the house. I don't think so. Not if you call the ambulance. Not if conveniently the person in your bed dies. <laughs> I 100% like, and it's, this isn't even conspiracy. This is just, you're a shit person. If you call the ambulance for somebody, stay with them until the ambulance gets there. Right. Otherwise you're a shit human being. Just That's just across the board. Like, even maybe basic CPR, like if she had rolled him on his side, maybe he could have thrown up. That is another thing that I was going to say. PSA to everyone listening. If someone is drunk and you're worried about that possibility of that happen and they're sleeping, especially drunk sleeping, because that's when it happens most of the time, roll them on their side. That yeah. is a big. It, like, just, it just allows it to like it allows gravity to do the most of the work. Exactly. I mean, what's going to happen if they like initially throw up and it's not projectile? Sorry for the visual, but yeah, even exactly. that's going to come back down somehow. Because, I mean, there's a lot of not only musicians, but just people in general that have died from choking on their own vomit because they fell asleep drunk on their back. Yeah, man, that's such a horrible way to die. But that much wine? Nah, it's got to be murder. That, that, yeah, that is a freakish amount of wine. Yeah, that like he was probably dead before he threw up if he th if he threw up and it's not just wine and like, I don't know. I don't know enough about uh, how the, the body reacts to that to make predictions on like, you know, they said everything was like constricted all the way down to his lungs. But yeah, no, her leaving is weird. It's weird, yeah. but I don't know that she like killed him. I don't know. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like it I think she's negligent. Money. I think she's awful in other ways, but I don't. I don't think she would have killed him. Yeah, I think it needs more motive than that. Yeah, no, it made more sense in her case to let, let him, uh, uh, let live him longer, live longer. Yeah, really blossom. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> They said like she was also like when they when when the you know, the court when they were talking about the two individuals, uh, they said that um, uh, etching him was like a modern you know you know pantsuit dressed for you know well not maybe it's a pantsuit but they said she was dressed like a like a, a person going to court you know wow dressed for the occasion you yeah. know uh, Sunday best and they said that uh, uh, Danerman looked like she hadn't gotten out of the sixties. Huh. She's like the way they describe it is like the day he froze is the day she did too. The day he died is the day she froze. 
So uh, like she just like never got out of that cycle. And I think she like tried to take, she tried to put herself, she, she went the old tappy route. Um, <laughs> tried to tap in to his life in more ways than like she was actually. And then basically the ambulance more or less proved it. And then, you know, she, so she lost that. And then etching him proved that basically a lot of what she's saying was bullshit. So it's like, no, you're not. And here is government worthy proof that you're not. Yeah. So it's like, you know, let's, let's go ahead and take that to the bank. By the way, you owe me because you're lost. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And maybe like her, I think she killed herself. Um, because I think she couldn't handle it. Yeah. And you couldn't handle like the, all of that, like credibility or like that status that she wanted so bad. Um, that she it just, she's not, all that's gone. Like, you know, she's, uh, all the claims that she making, I guess that's the way I'm putting it. Like all the claims that she was making uh, now are kind of like, she'll never get that status back because it's proven that it's not how it was. Yeah. So like her, her cash cow is now officially gone. Man. Right. Such a shit human being. Such a shit human being, but quick PSA, please. If you have dark thoughts and find yourself in a dark place, you know, there's, there's lots of help you can get, uh, just quick Google search and you'll find a, a lot of assets that will help you out. You know, start talking to a friend, be that friend, you know, help you know, just, just talk to somebody, just make sure you talk to somebody and then work your way to talking to a professional when you're comfortable or right away, whatever your situation is. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't go through with that. Yeah, no, nah, nah, you're worth it. You're worth a great life. Don't, don't do horrible things to yourself. So seek help. If you, if you need it, please, we encourage you. 100%. No shame whatsoever in getting that kind of help, especially any kind of help, but especially that kind, like mental health is more, is, is so important. It's as equally as important as physical health both have to be balanced with each other. So exactly. Please. So to lighten the mood back up, uh, I thought we would, uh, bring back one of our old favorites. And it's that the, the classic conspiracy that they faked their own death because he was trying to get away from the disillusionment with the music thing. Yes. He did this to pursue another career. And you bastard, you beat me to it. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to spring this on you so badly. But um <laughs> so so you already know. You already know that he, you know, the, the theory is that he quit music as Jimi Hendrix to become Morgan Freeman, the, the voice act, of everything. The actor. The actor, Morgan Freeman. The voice Freeman. of God. Um <laughs> So my question to you is that even if you wanted to quit music to become an actor um, with the purest intentions, yeah, like I, I really want to try this acting thing. I really, really want to give it a go. I feel like I, I got it. You know, at least I, maybe if I don't even, I just want to try, 
That's all I want is to try my best. When you still use the clout that you have to boost your chances, you worked hard for that clout, the clout of you being a great musician and the fame that like the kind of the audience that is built into that. Unless the whole point of you choosing another path is to get away from that life. And just all of it in its entirety where like I had, I had some bad memories with that agent. Right. It was just some bad dark times that the public didn't know about. I just want a completely new alias and start over. But why actor? Like that's one of the most public things that could possibly be. You're you're literally going to be on screens 40 feet high. Yeah, that's, that's true. Like all over the world, if you get that lucky uh, and your goal is to become plastered onto more 40 foot tall screens uh, and to be seen on television in millions and billions of homes. Like um, if I would, I would buy this more if like he faked his death to become like, um, maybe like a music teacher or a humble uh, post office worker. Oh, uh, humble. Why did I think post office too? <laughs> I was like, no, no, not post office. Like, uh, I automatically thought, uh, men in black. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> That's where all or, the aliens uh, work. <laughs> or, uh, just making that little bar and, with my sweet Tabby. We just live this life together in Bermuda. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's something low key, you know, there's nothing more high profile than acting. Yeah. Really, as far as like getting your name out there. I mean, maybe he was going for those indie roles at first, you know? Even if they, what if the movie blew up? What if you had just a hit? You know? That ruins your whole plan. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, because like your boss will find you. I suppose he won't be your manager anymore, but the people you're trying to run away from will fucking find you eventually. Yeah. So I don't know. Unless I, the hidden in plain sight thing doesn't work for me there. Um, despite the outrageous claim this is, excuse me, there are certain similarities and coincidences that connect Freeman and Hendrix. Yeah. Interesting ways. The gap in their life periods. Uh, The instances where with the supporting, let's say the weak supporting struts, the bridge that is this theory is that Hendrix passed away in 1970 and Freeman debuted in a professional acting in the late sixties and seventies. So maybe it was a transition. I don't know. Oh, Uh, both men are left-handed. And uh, both served in the military for some time. Okay. I didn't find out what, um, I didn't see what uh, uh, um, Morgan Freeman was. I, I don't, I know Hendrix was a paratrooper. I don't know what um, Morgan Freeman did besides hopefully radio. <laughs> Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> Uh, Freeman is a little bit older than Hendrix. If he were still alive, um, Freeman, I was, so I didn't think about it. And then I saw this picture. I'll have to show you 
I'll be, I'll be showing you of them side by side, old Morgan Freeman and, you know, Jimi yep. Hendrix. Yep. The resemblance is uncanny. Oh yeah. It's incredible. If not him, it's like his uncle. Wow. They look so close. It's weird down to like, I think his hair would do that. Huh? I'll show you a picture. Uh, and both, and one of the weakest things they point out is like both, uh, is that they both like music. Wow. You heard detective. Now, apparently Morgan Freeman owns a music bar in Memphis. Well, I mean, honestly, I think people who don't like music are sociopaths. Like it would just, be real weird. Like if you didn't care what you listened to, I'll accept that. Yeah. But yeah. To like outright hate music. There's actually somebody who was on like a, uh, uh, one of those like kind of like Ripley's like TV shows that like music is something in her brain is wired to where music is unpleasant to her. Uh, like they played like, like Pac Bell's Canon, you know, like I think that's the wedding song. I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, which is a pretty song and it's, it's beautiful enough. We played at weddings and she like, it's, it's unpleasant to her how it registers. Huh. It's just the way it wires. Like she doesn't like the frequencies. And I forget what they called it, but she does not like music and it's, it's her brain. That's weird. She's got no, there's nothing she can do about it. But, uh, is that not uncanny? Wow. Down to like the teeth. The eyes are kind of doing the same thing. Same nose, the same like lines below his cheekbones i mean those cheekbone lines yes like the like yeah 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 the cheekbone lines wow that it looks like like if morgan freeman could be like jimi hendrix in a movie like like old jimi hendrix even young morgan freeman it's not it's not far like he cuz he was kind of a lanky guy too yeah um yeah man it's i didn't think about it at first and i saw that and i was like that that is better convincing evidence than anything we saw in Elvis. That's closer than the home alone guy. You know, you need to, we need to get a director, like a big director just to get Morgan Freeman and like a room with like dressed like Jimmy. Like, no, 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 just, just have a guitars and be like, Hey, can you just like pick a guitar up and strike a pose? We want to see if you could fit for this movie, for this role. And just, just tell him, just watch him as he picks up the right guitar and holds it left-handed. Leave him in there for like 45 minutes to like maybe a little like an hour 50, like an odd time to leave somebody alone just to see if he gets bored and starts playing something. Yeah. Make it some kind of like sociology experiment, just like hidden cameras everywhere. Yeah. It's just, just an office and the guy just has like collectible guitars on the wall. Oh, I'm just a big Fender Strat guy. <laughs> Staring at him. <laughs> and then like, that one oh, my glass. sorry, I, I have to take this call. And just yeah, leave Morgan Freeman. Uh, yes, honey. In the and room then just like you know, let him let him think that it's like somebody important. Like it could be a long phone call. Yeah, just leave him alone for like thirty minutes. See what he does. I bet you. Yeah, yeah. And if all else fails, if you leave him there for too long and nothing happens, just have Ashton Kutcher come out and yell "punked" and you're good. Well, if you leave him in there long enough and have a good enough audio recording, the Hendrix Foundation will probably sell it as a new album. <laughs> <laughs> Unconfirmed, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix might still be alive. Jimi Hendrix, raw. <laughs> you know? Oh my god! Unplugged. 
the Freeman, like Morgan Freeman tapes. I this, I can't stand that shit, dude. Ah, I hate it when people take advantage of people's stuff. Um, but there are a few holes in said Morgan Freeman theory. Oh, there's not. There, there's a few. I'll believe them. Uh, the basis of the theory hinges on the fact that, um, you know, they look like each other. They do, but uh, Freeman's acting. Well, they, so they Freeman began acting in 1964. Um, and one of the things is like, you know, one of the, one of the articles like pointed out that like Hendrix died. And then we learn about Morgan Freeman. It's like, no, we knew about Morgan Freeman in 64. Uh, cause Freeman was like, he was doing like plays and like, like smaller roles. Um, there is also, uh, another, <laughs> so this is definitely a bullshit website, but I, I, it's here because it's fun. Okay. And this is, I mean, the Morgan Freeman thing's bullshit, but this is particular like fast food level bullshit. Okay. Like this isn't even like the, like. Uh, the the Guardian or uh, the New Yorker writing a fun article talking about a conspiracy like you know this is a fun thing we heard about you know I, I'm trying to think of like accredited newspapers the Rolling Stone reporting one yeah whatever this is this is bullshit like this website is a bunch of sleazy assholes that are trying to just get a rise out of people. This, this is a clickbait bullshit. Okay. And okay. I, I am, I am just getting that out there now because it is. So it was everyone so, listening. It's 100% factual, right? <laughs> you can base your thesis on this. So they have a cool website name called news punch. Uh, and it's a website that repeatedly, they, they constantly write misinformation and uh, bullshit on the regular. And they published one, a t- an article called Morgan Freeman is Jimi Hendrix researchers claim on May in May, 2018. What researchers stating <laughs> funny. You mentioned that uh, in the quote, Jimi Hendrix reinvented himself as an, as actor Morgan Freeman in the 1970s, shortly after faking his own death researchers claim, but his acting began in 1964. So allegedly there's holes in there. There's actually like the one, the one that there's another website pointing out how bullshit this website is. So they're like, here's a newspaper article talking about the not so great reviews of the play Morgan Freeman was in. Excuse me. Of the play Morgan Freeman was in. It's like not great reviews, but the date says 1964. He didn't start in the seventies. He got bigger roles in the seventies, but he started acting before then. I mean, do you have video evidence of him? Of him, of him in the early roles in like the late 60s yeah. and 60, I'm sorry, early 60s. I can probably find it. Yeah, because he's on a TV show. God damn it. <laughs> it's so weird seeing young Morgan Freeman. I don't believe he was ever that young. Oh, that's a clone. It's a clone. You can't it's prove great anything. makeup. It's there's no way. No way. He was born. He was that young ever. The CGI they had back then. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just cardboard cut out. <laughs> um, just animation. <laughs> Paper mache. Uh, according to them, his uh, Morgan Freeman's sudden rise to fame in the 70s occurred after Hendrix supposedly died in September 18, 1970. So not even taking a fucking day off of being dead. No, it's just like, all right, are they gone? All right, Monica, see ya. 
I'm going to be an actor now. Are they gone? Are we rolling? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Actually would be like a great, like album. Like, are they gone? Okay. Are we rolling? Album title of some kind. So news punch later uh, updated the intro title of this article to make it clear that the rumor that originated, um, Sorry, make it clear that this is a rumor originated with a conspiracy theorist and not researchers. So enough people called them on their bullshit till they went back and retitled the article. Wow. We have updated the headline of the opening article to make it clear that while the theory that Jimi Hendrix and Morgan Freeman are the same person is entertaining, it is extremely unlikely to be true. Wow. Only after they were called out on their bullshit. Uh, Another website that pedals bullshit called well aware one attempted to draw a link between Freeman and Hendrix based on the wrinkles based in two photographs. Okay. Um, This one's kind of tough to see, but basically. Oh, so I've got actually his first on Morgan's uh, Freeman's first on-screen appearance came in 1964 in a non-credited role uh, in the Sydney LeMay LeMay movie, The Pawn Broker. Freeman also appeared in at least four stage productions, including Hello, Dolly, The Dozen, and uh, Exhibition uh, prior to Hendrix's death. So he's like on stage, like right after Hendrix's death. Yeah, allegedly. Uh, so let me get you the picture of what they're trying to pass off as like proof. And all they're doing is like they're drawing like for the audience out there. They're basically taking, you know, his, you know, historical photos of Jimi Hendrix, like playing the acoustic guitar and then Morgan Freeman's like hand and they're like overlaying them on top of each other. And uh, basically saying that these lines are the same lines on both of their hands. You can see like the yellow, it's, it's tough to see, but they're basically like, Okay, yeah. These are the same hands because the veins are exactly the same. And I mean, I don't know what my hands are going to look like when I'm Morgan Freeman's age, but I'm pretty sure they're going to look different from what they look now. Yeah, definitely. And I'm pretty sure the lines aren't going to stay in the same exact spots. So it's just, even the article is like, squiggly lines don't mean proof. <laughs> this, this, is, this one article pointing out, this one website pointing out these different articles was savage. Wow. Squiggly lines don't equal proof. <laughs> um, but uh, I wouldn't. Oh, man. I did not think that one had any weight to it. And and then I looked at the pictures. So I was like, oh, I, oh. I believe this more than I should. Yeah, sometimes you can get more entertaining info, not from websites that try and prove conspiracies, but websites that try and disprove cons- conspiracies. Sometimes you just get the funniest writers. Oh my god, that are uh, just going ham on. And then you guys. can just be as you can really be savage because these people are trying to peddle bullshit, and you're like, oh, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a comedian, Joe Zimmerman. Um, highly recommend him as a, he's a stand-up comedian. It's got this joke where he's like, uh, "I'm not a Bigfoot enthusiast. I'm a Bigfoot enthusiast enthusiast." <laughs> He's like, I'm interested in the people that look for Bigfoot. <laughs> I highly recommend. I'm not going to give away. Like, I don't want to give away more of his joke, but um, it's so funny. It's I think it's the it's a smiling wolves. The wolves are smiling. It's something like huh. that on, on Spotify. 
so funny. I I love his joke. But yeah, the the enthusiast enthusiast. The best and worst days when they actually find him. <laughs> yeah. What am I gonna do now? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So anyway, uh, any closing thoughts? Oh man, I still think Morgan Freeman is Jimi Hendrix. One hundred percent. One thousand percent. If I was no, if I'm not sure about anything on this planet, yeah, exactly. Jimi Hendrix and Morgan Freeman are the same. <laughs> I don't give a shit what Tappy says. I know it in my heart of hearts. Purple haze in my eyes. <laughs> Purple haze. I would love to see Morgan Freeman sing some Jimi Hendrix. That would be amazing. <sighs> and I would love to see Shawshank Redemption the musical. The musical. <laughs> you just swap out the soundtrack with nothing but. Uh, he Jimmy had Hendrix. to crawl across three football fields. Football fields keep crawling. crawling. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that's like the next venture, like that Stephen King goes down. Oh like, my god! I mean, he's. They've already made like all of his famous books, like what Firestarter is about to come out. Yeah. Um, they've remade Pet Cemetery two times. No, this is the third rendition of Pet Cemetery. Wow. Yeah, because there's one. You know, there's the <laughs> ground saw. <laughs> what? Have you seen the? Have you seen? I have not. The, no. Oh my god. Dude, it's the guy who played Herman Munster. Okay. Is, is a, so he's the old man who lived across the street. And it's like, it's so long story short. Like the, the, <laughs> so this, their dog died. I think it's their cat gets killed or something like that. Oh, no. And the kids are upset. <laughs> kids are upset about it. And, um, you know, and then the Herman Munster guy is just this, you know, he's a, there must be in some kind of like rural Boston. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's Stephen King. So it's the Pacific Northwest somewhere. So they're in like a rural part of like Boston. So the accent is fucking insane. Yeah. What are you doing out? Wow. Wow. So it's not quite like, well, howdy kids. It's not, it's not, it's not quite Southern. It's Boston, but even crazier. Yeah. Uh, well, for for Florida, I know I probably sound weird to some people, um, but he, he he's taking it in such a weird direction, and uh, they you know so you know he talks about uh, you know he had to be buried his dog in the Indian burial ground, and it came back evil because <laughs> he's not supposed to bury it there. Oh my uh, gosh! And then uh, they asked him, "Have you ever buried anything in the in the Indian burial ground?" And the, and the sacred burial ground is like, no, I've never done such a thing. Never. It's like, <laughs> you totally fucking did, but you're telling us not. To. <laughs> well, fuck you. I'm my cat back. And then they, yeah. It's, so it's, that cemetery is ironically really funny. It's really, really funny. Uh, the remake is closer to the book. And, I, I I thought it was okay. I, I liked uh, how crazy the uh, I liked how crazy the uh, the eighties one is though, because Stephen King movies can't be 
it can't be made serious. This is what the pet cemetery. I think the problem was that movie was taking itself way too seriously. Yeah. But, um, Oh my God, where were we? Where was the connection to pet cemetery? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. I don't even know anymore. All right. So on that note, Thanks for riding with us thanks, in this journey. Thanks for enjoying that segment. I love talking about that movie. <laughs> you got to see it. You got to see that. You got to see Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, definitely. And I do want to do a movie podcast at one point. So maybe we'll break into some of the craziest. Oh, it was the musical thing. It was Shawshank the musical. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's already like working on another rendition of Firestarter. They've already done Carrie twice. So it's like, why not? You can't. I think after the third rendition, Pet Cemetery is probably going to be the first musical. Because it's like, what else can you do? Yeah. Video game. They've made two. They've made Shining essentially three times. Well, I mean, they still have to remake the other ones with the uh, kid versions like they did with it. Well, that's that's part of it. it. Like the first half of it is when they're kids. Like th- that's, yeah, that's true. That's, that's how true. it like the I mean, I haven't gone through that whole story, but like the first half is them dealing with the kids and then them dealing with it as adults. OK, yeah, so that's that's how that one happens. More or less that that movie being two parts is really good. First one's great. The second movie kind of sucked. But not Skarsgård was not the weak point, though. It was the other actors. I don't know. I love Bill Hader. Bill Hader was like funny. I think he had the most going on. Like we can't get into this. It's, a, it's yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, I could talk about it a lot. But thanks know, for going with us on this journey and to the end of the rainbow. <laughs> Why? Thank you for joining us on this journey. Have a great night. Waiting through the purple haze. <laughs> All right. So thank you everybody for listening to the show. Oh, real quick. Uh, so. We have a thousand uh, road to 1000 giveaway. We hit a thousand downloads. Thanks to you guys. Thank you so much for helping us get to that goal. Thanks to everyone who listens to this podcast. (laughs) Well, I can't thank you enough for helping us get to a thousand downloads. Uh, So (laughs) the prize. So the the, uh, to to get to enter your to get one uh, submission to the giveaway. It's um, you got to follow us on Instagram. You got to share the giveaway post and then uh, in the comments, tell us your favorite quote from the show. Yeah. Any episode just got to be a quote uh, me or you or something from the show. Uh, something from our catalog could be this episode could be episode one, whatever you want to do. And that Instagram is Phantom Jukebox podcast. Yes. Um, for bonus entries. Uh, we you leave a review and then send us a screenshot on Instagram and tag a friend who you may like who you think may like the show. So those will give you two like leaving a review is one extra entry, and then tagging a friend is another entry. Ah, your prizes for such an endeavor are one of two shirts we've got out ready to go right now. Um, we'll have the pictures of all these up soon. Yes. Uh, you're going to get uh, one of two shirts. Uh, we're going to get some stickers, an autographed picture of Ziggy, and a mug with our logo and stuff on it. A uh, mug to hold your liquids while you're listening to the Phantom Drew Box podcast. It'll be a fine mug. It's a nice 
cool morning. Make yourself a warm cup of joe. Pop on the phantom jukebox and, and stare into the eyes of the, our cult leader that is signed photographs that we gave you as well. As you lean across the island in the kitchen, as you normally do to enjoy your warm cup of coffee, <laughs> you stare across the stare across the hallway directly into Tappy's eyes. <laughs> One eye is slightly bigger than the other, and it's looking off in a different direction. But you know, if he could, he'd have them both looking at you. <laughs> I've never heard anyone make a lazy eye sound so romantic. <laughs> and with that, we're off. That <laughs> came. I'm proud of that. I was off the cup. <laughs> well. <laughs> Oh my god, that, yeah, I'm proud of that one. So anyway, so you can thank you everybody for listening. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, uh, Good Pods, uh, and on any of those, could you please uh, rate us and review us? We would really appreciate the feedback. We really take it to heart. We read all of them, and um, you know, creative criticism is just going to help the show grow. And uh, if you love it, I like those too. Um, you know, what was your favorite part of the show? I, I the, the unplanned noir bits, my favorite right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that talking about the lazy eye that will stick with me forever. <laughs> I like, am so man, man, I'm proud of that. So, uh, you know, if you could please, uh, please rate and uh, review us, we really would appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Nah, I can't. I can't give that to be the writing prompt this week. Um, so actually, what the writing prompt, if you don't have one, is like, what are your thoughts on um, legacy? You know, a legacy, and like, let's say you had like demo tapes and stuff. Like, would you release your demo tapes? I mean, how would you do it? So maybe that could be your prompt if you don't have anything else to write about. Yeah, and even if you, even after writing rating and reviewing and leaving it as a prompt there you can also let us know on twitter at phantom jukebox underscore and facebook at phantom jukebox yes um also want to give a, a quick shout out to some friend podcast of ours yeah oh it's come back to me um i want to thank uh oh man i thought i had these did I not read those in the beginning? You did. Oh, I did. I did. Okay. I'll have to cut this out. Uh, quick podcast shout outs again. Uh, I want to thank, uh, I want to recommend Uncredible Adventures and the Manic Pixie Weirdo podcast. Yes. Uh, they are very fun and have cool shows. Uh, also very supportive of the indie scene. Uh, I want to thank Kenny Grooms for his actual wizardry. And making the intro sound as cool as it possibly could. And more things to come. Yes. Yes. More things to come. Uh, also, uh, the super hard work of our producer, Dakota Galvin, handling the socials, 
coming up with like great extra content and just it just the show would not be what it is and where it is without all of her help. So thank you very much. Yes, definitely. And thank you, Joe. This was a fun ride. Oh, yes. Love these conspiracy. Thank you, Ty, for painting that beautiful picture. (laughs) You're welcome. Bullshit words, Ty. I'm I'm gonna be falling asleep tonight. <laughs> Dreaming just, of Tappy. Just <laughs> longing for that bar in, in Tijuana. <laughs> well, it was it was like it was Tijuana, then it was Bermuda, and then <laughs> any stereotypical beach somewhere. And in the plains of St. Augustine. <laughs> St. Augustine's nice. Got good burritos there. They do. There's a breeder place. That's un- it's amazing. But anyway, that is the, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. That is our show. Thank you for enjoying the, well, hopefully you enjoyed it yes. for going on this ride with us. Uh, thank you for letting us get to a thousand follows. Yes. Here's to 10,000. Yes. That is up next. I think, well, maybe let's go. We'll start with 5,000. Let's go 5,000. I want to okay. go. Yeah. Yeah. 5,000 is our next goal. So. 5,000. We expect it by the end of this month. Hey, <laughs> you won't see this guy complaining. Anyway, thank you so much for uh, listening in and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time.